How do I know that I'm saved? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Pursuit, a Crosspoint City Church podcast that pursues a deeper dive into the scripture from last week's sermon. I'm Carlos, and I'm here with our lead pastor, James Griffin. Good to be with you, man. It's freezing outside. It is super cold. Glad to be inside. <laughs> man. School got canceled today. This is yeah. how we do it in Georgia, bro. It it like dips into freezing, and we just cancel stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm not mad about it. <laughs> so <laughs> All the parents are mad about it. They are. The teachers are cheering, and all yeah. the parents are angry. Yeah, my wife's a teacher, so I was happy. I was like, what? We get to just hang out? We went to Waffle House last night, super Come late. On, bro. So That's awesome. Man. It was good. Love man. that. So well. just chilling. I think we watched the movie, too. But, yeah, so we were just hanging out. It's good to have snow days, even though there's no even snow. Even though there's, yeah, 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 that's right. It is cold, so glad to be inside doing the podcast with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, uh, for real. But let's talk about podcast stuff because we had a big okay. weekend. We yes. had Compassion Sunday. Right. And so you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So all weekend long, um, starting on Thursday night at every location, every gathering, our good friends from Compassion International were in the house and we've been working with Compassion for a lot of years. Their sole purpose is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. They're doing this in countries all over the world, some of the hardest places on earth. Yeah. And so what was cool, man, is, is lifetime sponsorships as a church over the last 10 years, we've sponsored 653 kids through Compassion, which wow. is pretty incredible. Yeah. I was praying going into this weekend that we would surpass the thousand mark. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready to give the total number just Man, yet. You well, always do that we're to still, me. <laughs> well, we're still waiting. We're still waiting because okay. there are sponsorships still coming in. So I'm not ready to give the full number yet, yeah. but I, I will just say this. We have surpassed that goal. Nice. Praise God. So That's it awesome. was a big weekend. <clears throat> Had a lot of people take just other steps of generosity, another step of generosity, I should say, sponsor a kid somewhere in the world. Super, super cool, man. It's just another way to get the gospel to the nations as we talked about over the weekend. Just love the work that Compassion does. So uh, the good news is people can still get in on this. Yeah. All right? So let me just say two things. Number one, if you're more of a paper person, we're gonna have packets available again at our gatherings over the weekend. So we do have some left, less than 100, but we do have some left. And so we'll have those available. If you want to grab a packet at your location this weekend, sponsor a kid, you can do that. Or if you want to do it electronically, digitally, you can just text the word CrossPoint to 83393. Text the word CrossPoint to 83393. You'll get some prompts back from Compassion on how to sponsor a kid. And so you can still get in on this if you want. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I like, a, like you said, Compassion, I mean, they're just a great, great oh, yeah. thing. I mean, they, what they do... Um, I just sponsoring a kid is probably one of the best things you could do. Yeah, and, and it's such a a low hanging fruit that yeah, you could yeah. do, especially us that we live in America. We, I yeah. mean, I, I was talking when I was hosting on Sunday. I spent forty three bucks on a hat. Right, you know, like that. That's how crazy that's it. it is. Like we, it. we don't even blink an eye. Like, you can said I ask you a summer. question? Did yeah. you pray about buying that hat? I did not. Okay, pray I about didn't think hat. so, man. So yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> we don't ever pray about forty three bucks. Yeah. So it's so. like just. Spend that money and do something of eternal significance, right? Yeah, yeah change so your quick, kid's life. Change somebody's life. That's right. 43 that's right. bucks. That, yeah. That's how good that uh, organization can do it, that 43 right. bucks can change somebody's life. It's amazing. Crazy. Physically, mentally, emotionally, <laughs> spiritually. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. So have you ever, I know Emily and um, Mike, yeah. right? 
Uh, they got to meet their kid. Yeah. Have you sponsored somebody? Ever got to meet the kid? Yes, they sponsored? Really? I have. Yeah. So my wife has not. Unfortunately, she has been with me to Burkina, mm -hmm. but not on a trip where she got to meet our girls. So wow. we sponsor two kids in Burkina Faso, mm -hmm. one little boy in Bolivia. So one of the kids that we sponsor, I had a chance to meet. I have yeah. met her twice. Her name is Eliza. And she lives in Burkina, and that's a life-changing experience. To yeah. One of the coolest experiences, I think it was the first time I met her. Uh, my family went out before the trip. We bought a backpack, filled it up with all kinds of stuff that's that we cool. wanted to bless her with. And so we get to the compassion site, and I'm like, hey, I have a gift for her. And the sponsor that was with her said, oh, great, she has a gift for you too. Really? And I'm like, what do you mean she has a gift for me? This is one of the poorest nations on earth, you know, here we are as a family trying to help this girl and her family, and they're wanting to bless me. So I open up this box, and inside is a hat. And this particular hat in Burkina is a hat that, that certain tribes, the one that her family belongs to, certain tribes give to people that they respect, and they do it as a show of honor. Mm. And it's one of the coolest gifts I've ever received, man. I mean, just... The, the fact that they did that for me was a great display of their generosity. Mm. So, man, it's just super impactful. It was yeah. awesome. That's a cool story, man. Yeah. So if you sponsor a kid, you also might have an opportunity to meet them. And Depen that's just depending, depending on where they are in the world, yeah. you know, the cool thing is you're going to get letters from them regularly. Mm -hmm. You get to write back to them regularly. So there's constant interaction. Yeah. It's a very, very personal and relational approach to sponsorship, yeah. which, again, is another reason I love Compassion. They do it right. Yeah, no, I love it, man. So you got opportunities. We just mentioned them. We'll also put the link probably in the in the bio description of the YouTube. But uh, the other thing that we got coming up is Revival Nights. And I know yeah. we just started closer and doing all these things. Yeah. But let's talk about Revival Nights specifically, okay. man. I'm just excited about Revival, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, that yeah. in general. Yep. But about these three nights, I know you got three buddies of yours coming to, to preach the, the word. So yep. let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I got uh, three three incredible communicators. These dudes are studs. I mean, mm -hmm. they love Jesus. They love the church. They're They're leading in significant ways in God's church. And uh, I will say that the reason we do these nights and the reason we call them revival nights, we, we understand that we can't make revival happen. So mm -hmm. this is not us presuming upon God or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But our hope and prayer is that God would revive us, that mm -hmm. God would renew us, that he would show up and, and do a work in our hearts and our lives that he would save people far from God, that, that sleepy nominal Christians would be captivated by the beauty of the gospel, that those of us who are following Jesus would be encouraged to do it all the more. Mm -hmm. And so the purpose of these nights, man, is, is we just wanna get after it, you know? Yeah. And it's the way that we close out the closer season, our 21 days of prayer and fasting. So night one, Thursday night, my dude, Leonce Crump is coming back. He pastors Renovation Church here in Atlanta. Uh, just a short drive down the street. He preached last year. Yep. And I was like, all right, man. I, I mean, he just, he killed it. I yeah. uh, love Leonce. He's, he's the man. And so he's going to be back to kick us off. Friday night, my buddy Rob Wilton, mm -hmm. who has been the lead pastor and founding pastor of Vintage Church, both in New Orleans and Pittsburgh, mm -hmm. but just became the new senior pastor of First Baptist Church in Charlotte, yeah. which is a big deal. I mean, that church has a lot of history, has had a lot of influence, and so he's just stepped into that role. So he's going to come. He's preached at Cross Point before. It's been a while, mm -hmm. 
And I'm pumped to have him coming back, man. The only thing I hold against him is that he's a Saints fan. But anyway, hey, yeah. we, we have grace for all people, Carlos. Here we, across do. The we do, we do. And then we're going to close it out Saturday night. We're bringing in a guy from all the way across the country, uh, Wenatchee, Washington. And we're talking Washington State here. His name is Adam James. A uh, good buddy of mine, Josh McPherson, pastors Grace City Church in Wenatchee. And so Adam is like Josh's right-hand guy. And Adam has done a lot of work over his time in ministry around revival and spiritual renewal. It's kind of his thing. Yeah. And so he's going to come in on Saturday night, close us out. It's going to be incredible. Yeah. I, no, I can't excited. wait. It gets me fired up just talking about it. <clears throat> yeah, I'm excited, man. So man. be here. Yeah, do it. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, so let's let's switch gears. Let's All talk right. about the sermon. Okay, uh, you talked a lot about going to the nations. This is a part of the Great Commission where yep. Jesus calls us to go out and to do the work of the ministry. That's it. And so let's just do a recap real quick because I got a lot of questions. All right. Um, and there's something that you said during the sermon that I just really really want to dig into. <laughs> it kind of blew up on social media, so well, we're going to talk about we'll that. See, too. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. All right. All right. So a recap of the sermon. Yeah. Uh, the title of the sermon this week was All Nations. Mm-hmm. And we focused in on the call of the Great Commission, which is to make disciples of all nations. And you know, I joked, praise God, Jesus kept the formula for how to do that. Very, very simple. Mm-hmm. So we started leaning into that. How do we make disciples of all nations? We go, we baptize, and we teach. And so really, this sermon was about us going to the nations. The word that, that Jesus uses in the text is ethnos. It means people groups. The word go means as you go. And so we talked about how this call is a call to go to our neighbors and the nations, Mm -hmm. that we would go across the street and we would go across the world, that the mission starts at home, but it doesn't stay at home, that we are called to make disciples of Jesus Christ everywhere. And so again, we leaned into the idea of going. What does it look like to go and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. And I tried to get really practical. I mean, we spent time unpacking the gospel, which I think maybe we'll talk about. Uh, I gave some really practical advice on how to do that with your neighbors and the nations. So we gave these missional practices that that we're using our our evangelism strategy as a church called Bless. Mm -hmm. Begin with prayer, listen, eat, serve, and then share the story of the gospel and your story. And then as it concerns the nations, just three simple instructions. We go, we send, and we sponsor. We would literally go across the world to people who need the gospel, and we would take it, that we would send people who are going across the world to take the gospel to people who need it, and that we would sponsor kids through compassion. And again, that would be a means of us getting the gospel to the nation. So if you missed it, I I pray that you'll go back and listen or watch. I think there's a lot of handles within this sermon that are helpful. Like I've had a lot of people reach out to me already and they're like, dude, I've already done the blessed thing. Mm-hmm. I did the blessed thing. Like the day you talked about, it, I went home and did the blessed thing or, uh, you know, whatever. And so I don't know. I think there's a lot of stuff in there that people can apply and use today. And it's going to help you live out the mission of Jesus in the world in greater ways. That's the hope. Yeah, no, I thought it was really good. <clears throat> I love it. The fact that we challenge people to do what the Bible tells us to do. Yeah, you know, yeah, like we're yeah. not just coming to church, hanging right. out, listen to a couple good songs, listen to a sermon, and then go home. Yeah. No, we're saying, hey, go do what Jesus asked you to do. Right. It starts at home, but it doesn't stay at home. I love that. <clears throat> and so you talked to us, and you, well, you told us that we are Great Commission people, Yeah. right? And yep. so I just want you to unpack that a little bit. I want people to believe like, hey, I'm a Great Commission person. Yeah. I follow Jesus, and that yeah. means that the Great Commission is part of my life. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, you know, I kind of framed that in terms of this all-to-him discipleship journey. Yeah. 
and how what we're calling people to as part of the journey, all the work that we're setting out to accomplish, we're doing it because of the Great Commission. Yeah. That, you know, to your point, we're not fostering kids and fighting for the lives of unborn babies and discipling men and planning churches and all of that because we want to be nice people or we feel sorry for people. It's because we want to be Great Commission people. Mm -hmm. uh, deeply, deeply convinced that Christ has given us one thing to do in the world, mm -hmm. just one. It is to make disciples of all nations. So everything we do as a church, we, we want to be driving at that, you know? Yeah. All of the work that we set out to accomplish, it's not just about the work, mm -hmm. it is about doing the work of the Great Commission. Yeah. We are, as we say it, relentlessly pursuing those far from God to help them know and follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so all of the work is a means of going, it's a means of proclaiming, it's a means of inviting people to respond in faith to Christ, coming alongside, <laughs> teaching them what it means to follow him and doing it all in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that Jesus possesses all authority in heaven and on earth. Yeah. And so when I say I want us to be a great commission people, that's what I mean. Mm -hmm. That like we would just be people hanging our hats on Matthew 28, 18 through 20 and going in everything we do, that's what we're about. Yeah, like, no, that's we, so good. So my question would be, why is there such a disconnect? I feel mm. like so many people heard that for the first time. Like, yeah. hey, you're supposed to do what Jesus says. Hey, we're great commission people. Like, this yeah, is the yeah, first. Yeah. This is like mind blowing to me. Why? Do, why is there such a disconnect between uh, believing in Jesus and following Jesus? Mm -hmm. Why is that so big in the church right now? I, I wish I knew all the answers to that, but let me just say there is a massive disconnect. Yeah, I was telling our small group about this just last week. Barna did a study about five years ago. Mm -hmm. I haven't talked about it in the series yet. Maybe I will at some point, but they did a study five years ago and they asked churchgoers about the Great Commission. Mm. And they asked churchgoers, are you familiar with the Great Commission? Okay, here's what's crazy. Like 50, I think it was like 51 or 53% of churchgoers said they've never heard of it. <laughs> okay? That's crazy. Never heard of it, all right? Um, it was like another 25% or something who said, yeah, I've heard of it, but I'm not quite sure what it means. The number that I remember is that only 17% of churchgoers could say, yes, and this is what the Great Commission means. So think about that, okay? 83% of churchgoers in the United States of America have no concept of the one thing Christ has called us to do in the world. That's crazy. 83, and then we wonder why the world is in the condition that it's in. Oh, yeah. Well, 83% of churchgoers are just showing up and going through the motions and playing church and maybe doing some good stuff, but it's not about what Christ has called us to. And so if you've got 83% of the church not committed to the mission of Christ in the world, very, very, very problematic, yeah. and that creates a massive disconnect between following Christ and you know just kind of playing around with what it might look like to follow Christ. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Man. What are we preaching then? I have no idea. What are we going to church to listen to? Like, it's crazy I, to think about if that's the percentage of people that don't know the Great Commission. Yep. I have no idea. Again, I wish I knew all the answers to that. But I, I think, you know, when I think about mission drift, it is a very real thing. Yeah. 2,000 years ago, Jesus stood on that mountain in Galilee and he gave the mission mm -hmm. and to see how far the church has drifted from it. Mm-hmm. It's sad, man. Yeah. And and again, if we want anything to change in the world, we've got to lock in and we've got to commit and we've got to become familiar with. And as church leaders, we got to continue to call people to this, man. Yeah. Over no, and sure. over and over and over again. For sure. So 
you're saying that we got to call people to it as church leaders. So you did that this Sunday. And so if somebody's been fought, like believed in Jesus, been saying they've been following Jesus, but they now want to be great commission people. They want to make disciples of all nations. Mm-hmm. Where do you, where would you tell them to start? Like, Hey, it, regardless of what you've done in the past, mm-hmm. if you want to start right now, how would you get them to like, yeah. let, let's wake up? Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess I would start by saying that the only way you can make disciples is to be a disciple. Mm. Okay. Uh, discipleship is very, very relational. I'm going to talk more about this in a couple of weeks, but you know, podcasts are helpful, but a podcast is not going to make a disciple of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Sermons are helpful, but sermons alone cannot make disciples of Jesus. YouTube videos, they can be helpful, depending on which ones you watch. Videos alone can't make disciples of Jesus, right? Yeah. Disciples make disciples of Jesus. And so if you want to make, uh, to be a disciple maker, you must first become a disciple. That starts by believing the gospel of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and we talked about the gospel in the sermon that it is the good news about the person and work of Jesus concerning both his first and second coming. Mm-hmm. That it includes personal salvation, but it transcends personal salvation. That, that the gospel is this good news about what Christ has done, is doing, and will one day do to redeem and restore all things. And the great news for us, we can be a part of that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Yeah. And so the, the entryway into the kingdom of God is that you believe the gospel. Yeah. You believe that good news and you make a conscious decision. I will become a follower of Jesus. And, th- and that's a faith decision, right? Yeah. You don't earn it. You don't work your way into it. It is a decision you make. I'm going to entrust myself to him and become a disciple or a follower of Jesus. And then you've got to be discipled by other people. As we defined it in the sermon, a disciple is someone who learns from Jesus to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And part of the way that we learn from Jesus to follow Jesus is that we learn from other people who are following Jesus. Yeah. And so we put ourselves in discipling environments. We put ourselves around other followers of Christ and build discipling relationships. And then as we grow as disciples, we just replicate the process, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like we start pulling other people in. I think about what Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah. If you follow me as I follow Christ, I'm going to show you what it means to follow Christ. Learn from me so that you can follow him. And so you have to live as a disciple to become a disciple maker. Mm -hmm. And that is about you professing faith, walking in obedience by the power of the Holy Spirit, and bringing people along so that they can learn from you. Yeah. So it's it's all about surrender at the end of the day. Yeah. No, that's so good. So then you you said this in the sermon that kind of, it really ties into this. That sounds like a lot. Mm-hmm. That the way you just put it out, hey, this is what discipleship is. You either need to be discipled or you need to be discipling people. Yeah. But then you said that if you just believe everything that Jesus has done and do nothing mm-hmm. about it, so there's no surrender part of it, you called it demonic faith. Okay, yeah. Right? And yeah. this is the thing that blew up on social I, media. I, I didn't call it demonic well, faith. James, Jam- the, the other James, James, yeah. the brother of Jesus did. I've just repeated him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, yeah. no, no. That's what we want to talk about. So there are okay. people in that come to our church and yep. probably a whole bunch of people at a whole bunch of different churches yep. that have believed in everything that Jesus has done, but they haven't really transitioned it to following Jesus. Mm-hmm. So why do you feel that everybody needs to understand that believing is all encompassing, yeah, right? It's, yep, yep. it's it's all that work that you just did, yep. not just this, hey, I believe in Jesus. Hey, you yeah. know, get out of hell free card or whatever. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that because okay. I think that could help a lot of people. Yep. No, I I think this is a super, super, super important conversation. Mm-hmm. 
especially in a context like ours where, you know, here in the South, there's a lot of easy believism that happens. I mean, I'm, I'm sure we all know people like this. They're like, oh, yeah, 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 man. I, I grew up in church, prayed a prayer when I was eight years old, been living like hell ever since, but no problem. I'll be in heaven one day when I die. And yeah. it's just this like, oh, no, no, I... I prayed it and I agreed to some things and I'm fine. I can live my life how I want and I'm fine. Again, the point I made in the sermon was you're not fine. And that's not just me saying that. That is the word of God saying that. Nowhere in the scriptures are we taught that we can pray a prayer and just agree to some theological ideas about Jesus and do whatever we want in life and be fine, okay? Mm -hmm. So in James chapter two, James, the brother of Jesus unpacks this. And he talks about dead faith first. Yeah. I didn't talk about this, but you know, faith without works is dead. Mm. He's like, man, what good is your faith if you claim to have faith and then you see a brother or sister in need and you do nothing to help them? You know, it's like mm-hmm. that, that type of faith can't save you. It's at that point, it's just all talk, you know? But then he also talks about demonic faith and how even the demons of hell believe in Jesus and they shudder. Mm-hmm. And man, we talked about this a little bit last weekend, how in the gospels, there are examples of Jesus confronting demon-possessed people and the demons possessing those people acknowledge Jesus, they confess Jesus, they stand in fear of Jesus. But the problem is the, the demons of hell refuse to submit to Jesus. Yeah. And so what that lets us know is that belief for demonic forces isn't enough to save them, at least that kind of belief, demonic belief or demonic faith. And my fear is that there are a lot of people who possess that kind of faith and think they're fine. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, 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 I believe in Jesus. It's like, yeah, but you're not submitted to Jesus. And James is like, that's demonic faith, and demonic faith cannot save you. That, that faith is very problematic. I mean, saving faith, according to the Bible, is faith that believes that it, it not only acknowledges what is true about Jesus, but in response to what is true, entrust itself to him. Mm -hmm. And so it is a a faith that would then lead to a certain type of lifestyle. We we were talking before the podcast, I think it was Martin Luther who said it like this. I I might be wrong, but I think it was him, that we are saved by faith alone, but faith that saves is never alone. Mm. We're saved by faith alone, faith that saves is never alone. So let's talk about the writings of Paul and James for a moment if we can, okay? Yeah because a lot of people get bent out of shape about this, because you got Paul on the one hand who is saying that we are justified or saved by faith alone. Mm -hmm. And then you got James on the other hand, you read his little epistle and he's talking about how our works justify us, Yeah, right? Here's the difference, okay? We're justified by faith, according to Paul. According to James, it is our works that justify our faith. Mm -hmm. Meaning that faith alone saves us, okay? How are we saved? By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It is not a result of works so that No man may boast, okay? Mm -hmm. Salvation is a free gift of God, but the nature of biblical faith is threefold. It's knowledge, it is assent, and it is commitment. Mm -hmm. And so true biblical faith is, I know what is true, I agree to what is true, and I am committing myself to the truth. Uh, We've talked a lot about this as we've preached through John's gospel, that belief in John is pastuo, and it means to entrust. So when I truly believe in Jesus, I entrust myself to him. I give my all to him. I commit my life to him. It's not just this flippant acknowledgement. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's who he is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, that's demonic belief. Mm-hmm. But, but true belief is 
and I'll take that a step further and commit myself to Jesus, right? And so true biblical faith, it saves, but when we talk about faith, we gotta know what we're talking about, and then it is our good works on the other side of faith that justify our faith, meaning our works prove that our faith is real. <laughs> yeah. That the only way to know if someone's faith is genuine is to look at the fruit of their lives. Yeah. You know, it's the fruit of the Spirit pouring forth. Are they a people marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control? If not, then what reason do I have to believe that you have saving faith? Yeah, just because you said a prayer That's or what you I'm said saying. something. Yeah. I mean, it could be dead faith. It could be demonic faith. The only thing that proves that our faith is actually real is what we do on the other side of saving faith. Yeah. So again, please hear me. We are not saved by works, but our works serve as the evidence that we have been saved. Yeah, agree. I mean... And I know this might be like a terrible image or picture to try to connect it to, but I know that you've been working on your game of basketball if you're getting better on the court. Yeah. Right? I know that you believe in Jesus if you start to do things like Jesus did. Like, Mm -hmm. I just know that that's what's happening. So when people say, hey, I believe, but then they don't follow, it's kind of hard to say that you believe. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. But I do think that it's hard because we as a church— just want to get people to pray the prayer. Mm. Like so many people at church, that's all they want. They Mm. just want the hand to be raised and they want all that stuff. And I remember when I first got saved, when I believed the gospel, I know I I, I was believing, I believed in Jesus in that moment. Yeah. Um, But what I kept telling everybody is they taught me, they got me to Jesus, but they never showed me how to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I remember I went to some camp and the guy was a stellar preacher, preached the gospel. He even said it. He said, you've heard the gospel before, but I'm about to preach it to you and you're going to see it for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I left that building like just brand new, eyes brand new, seeing everything brand new. And then, but then I went home, Mm -hmm. new life, old habits. And I went home and I didn't know how to follow Jesus. But then I would, I started to read the Bible and I saw that there was a disconnect. There had to be something that I had to be doing. My life needed to change. And as I was reading what the disciples were doing, what Paul was teaching, I was like, man, my life has to start changing. I have to start looking like Jesus. And that's what I need people to understand. That's what I want everybody to understand. Like if you believe in Jesus, your life should show it. Yeah. Right. Even if it's just small increments, like it's not overnight. Yep. Some people overnight, they, everything changes. <laughs> Don't you wish that was yeah. your story, bro? I mean, I, mean, I wish not. I could say that was <laughs> yeah. it. Like, work in progress, man. 100%. Absolutely. But people need to know that. Yeah. It's okay that you're going to slowly change, right? Yeah. I was I was actually preaching at students the other day and talking about just these kingdom attitudes that uh, Jesus put in the Beatitudes, yeah. right? Yeah. He says, hey, this is the way you're supposed to, to be. And I told the students, like, this is hard. This isn't going to happen overnight. But the way you do this, if you want kingdom attitudes, spend time with the king. The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you're going to look like him, the more you're going to act like him, the more you're going to think like him. Because that's what happens when you spend time with the king, right? And so if you believe in Jesus, that's what you need to do. Your belief should change your lifestyle. And it's really you believe and you're surrendering your your life to King Jesus and his Holy Spirit begins to work in you and change things. That's it, man. Well, yeah. No, no, no. Something you said just sparked this thought in my mind. You know, for the person who's listening to the podcast then who would ask the question, mm-hmm. how do I know that I'm saved? Yeah, I was going about to ask that question. Then, then I would ask the question, are you being saved? Mm. Are you being saved? 
What I mean by that, and we talk about this all the time, that salvation is past, present, and future tense. Mm. That it is justification, sanctification, glorification. Mm. That in justification, and this happens in the moment of faith. So when I, in a moment of faith, decide, okay, Jesus's claims about himself are true, and I'm gonna turn from sin and in faith to him as the savior that I need, I'm gonna believe in his finished work on my behalf and confess him as Lord. In that moment of faith, God justifies you, mm-hmm. purifies you, cleanses you, forgives you of all of your sins, past, present, and future, declares you not guilty anymore, brings you into his family, love son or daughter, gives you a new heart, gives you new desires, sends the spirit of God to indwell you and empower you. In that moment, you are saved from the mm-hmm. penalty of sin. Praise God. That's awesome, right? Yeah. So how do you know if that's ever happened in your life? I would say, are you being saved presently? is sanctification happening? Mm -hmm. Because the next step in the salvation process, and you said it, is that the Holy Spirit of God goes to work in you, Mm -hmm. that he does not leave you the same. I love what Paul says in Philippians 1, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. He will. And so if the Spirit of God truly lives in you, he's not gonna let you just live however you wanna live. Yeah. He's going to convict you of sin. He's going to start to restore those broken places in you. Mm-hmm. He's going to mess with you. He's going to do whatever work he needs in you to get you to stop thinking about you so much, to love God and to love people with greater uh, intensity and with greater passion. And so he's just working behind the scenes. And, and all of a sudden, you look back at your life, you know, and it's like, okay, I'm not who I was a year ago. I'm not who I was two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it might be slow progress, you know, it's like, I mean, you know, you're still jacked up. I'm not where I want to be, mm-hmm. but praise God, I'm not where I, I used to be. be. And so if you want to know if you are saved, that's the question I would ask. Are you being saved? Yeah. Can you look back and see progress? Mm-hmm. Can you look at your life and see true spiritual fruit mm-hmm. that the spirit of God is, is, is birthing in you? If so, take confidence in that Yeah. and rest assured that God has done a work in your life and keep pressing in and keep following Jesus and, and keep pursuing the presence of God each day so that you can grow as a follower of Christ. On the other hand, I would say, if you're not being saved, problematic. Yeah. It may have been demonic belief. It may have been dead faith that you expressed. Uh, because again, true biblical faith, it, it, it transcends that man. And it mm-hmm. does result in real evident life change. Yeah. Can't be the same. Yeah, no, absolutely. Your life needs to be changing. Yeah. And, I think for people to understand that even even me when I was a young baby Christian, like I didn't get that. Like I thought I was supposed to be perfect right from the get go, right, right. you know? but yeah, that's yeah. not the way it happens. Yeah. You have so much crap that God is going to be working through and dealing with, and he's mm-hmm. going to come in and he's going to move things out, but it's going to take some time because I feel like for me, that my life has been pockets of surrender. Mm-hmm. The closer I get to Jesus, the more I find out, oh, I got to surrender that too. Yeah, oh, yep, I got to yep. let that go too. Yep. Oh man, that got a hold in my life. But that only happens when the light's on it. Yeah, you know. Yep. And so people who just believe and just want to get to heaven, my question to you is, uh, if that's all you want, mm-hmm. you might not get there. And the reason is, is because, man, I think the love for Christ is yep. what's gonna is is what the difference is. Yep. You know yep. that yep. are you following in love with Jesus more yep. and more each day? And so also then you you said something about um, just like changing. And I was just thinking like as the Holy Spirit 
arrives in your life and mm-hmm. what he starts to do is conviction of sin. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. That's right. the first thing the Spirit's going to do. Right. He's going to arrive and yep. he's going to convict you of your sin. Yeah. And so if you want to know if you're saved, I'll say, is that conviction right. there? Right, right, right. When you do something wrong, yeah. is there a trigger like, yo, you probably shouldn't have done that. Right. You know, is that war still going on yep. between your flesh and the Spirit? Because if it is, you're in a good spot. That's a great word, you know? dude. That's a great it, word. It means yeah. the Spirit's working, That's man. right. But thank God he doesn't leave us just there yeah. at the conviction of sin. Yeah. He convicts of our, of our sin and then of God's righteousness yeah, yeah, and then yeah. of the coming judgment. So it's trying to say, hey, yep. you're sinful, but hey, let's see how good God is. Right. Let's right. not forget what he's done for you. Yep. Right. Yep. And then, hey, don't waste time. Yeah. You know? Yep. And so I think just to encourage somebody, like if you feel conviction of sin right now, man, that is the Holy Spirit work at your life and just listen to him. That's man. right. That's Allow right. that conviction to move you. Yeah. To the righteousness of well, God. I mean, so. I've, I've said this before on the podcast, but it, but you're hitting the nail on the head, bro. Do not be discouraged by the struggle. Mm-hmm. The struggle is a good sign that the Spirit of God is at work in your life. Yeah. If you're not struggling in any way over sin, I worry about you. Yeah. But if you're that person's like, dude, I'm just struggling, good, good, bro. Mm-hmm. Because what you're recognizing is is that there's this war, as you said, raging between your flesh and the spirit, and both of these are trying to win out over the other. You yeah. know, your flesh is trying to draw you away from God and toward sin, and the spirit of God is trying to draw you away from sin and, and toward God in a life of righteousness. And so that internal battle shows that the spirit is in you, that you have been saved, that he is working to save you in present time from the power of mm-hmm. sin. Be encouraged by the struggle. Yeah. Lean into the struggle. Yeah. The great news is the spirit of God can give you power to put the flesh to death, mm-hmm. that the flesh has no authority over you. As Paul says in Romans 8, you're not obligated to sin any longer. Mm-hmm. You do not have to say yes. The enemy wants you to believe the lie that you have to say yes, yeah. that the flesh is too strong for you, that you can't overcome it, but the spirit of God is there so that you can. Yeah. And so as long as you will walk in step with him, Mm-hmm. And, and yield to him each day and ask him for what you need to put the flesh to death, he'll give it to you and then he'll lead you in the way you should go. Yeah, and that's what sanctification is. That's right. It's uh, I think Ben Stewart said it. He said it's one movement with two parts, mm. moving away from bad and moving towards good. So moving towards yeah, Jesus. It's yeah. beautiful. It's so good, man. if you're in that spot, man, we just want to encourage you that believing is just a lot more than just saying a prayer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I do believe that when you say that prayer, if you really meant it, if you really were there, that it will re- cause you to do some things. Yeah. And, and so just check your life. You should always be asking a question, but you should also, I, I think Francis Chan said this, if you look the same you did last year, you should be asking the question, is the Holy Spirit doing something? Same <laughs> thing right. five years, 10 yeah, years out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're the same person, nothing has changed. Then you might just ask, like, is is the Spirit working inside my right. heart? Right. Because right. I'm constantly changing. Yeah. You know? That's right. Constantly. So, but that's good, man. So we can't talk about that the whole time because we got a lot more questions. Well, but you, l- l- can I say just yeah, one well, other thing before we thing. move yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I'll make this really, no, really you good, brief. you good. But I said this in the sermon. I think it's worth repeating. This is why we cannot separate salvation from lordship, okay? Mm. Like if we only think that salvation is me agreeing to ideas about Jesus, we're missing the point. Yeah. Like Paul says it in Romans 10, 9, that if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth that he is Lord, Mm. then you're saved. Mm. 
This lordship piece is so, so, so important. And again, it goes back to the Great Commission that Jesus in Matthew 28, 18 says, I possess, like it's been given to me, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. And the call of the Great Commission is to go into the world and to proclaim that good news. Mm -hmm. That by his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus has taken authority back from the enemy. He has started to undo the curse of sin. And then the response is, bow to his authority. Yeah, That's the response to the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, oh, agree with that. It's like, no, the response to the gospel is believe that he possesses all authority and bow to his authority. Confess him as Lord over all, including your own life. Mm-hmm. And if you will do that, God will save you. Yeah, And then it becomes a matter of you spending the rest of your life following after him. And yeah. we're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks in the series. So, yeah, no, that's I'll so stop good. there. No, no, no. I love it. That just tells us that the full gospel ends with following Jesus. Yeah. You know, like the work that Jesus has done has caused you to follow him. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that, that was so good. Uh, so we talked about, hey, what really believing in being a disciple of Jesus is. Yeah. And so we kind of hit about what following him looks like, how do we follow, and how we become a disciple. So let's just talk about what if somebody wants to be discipled, Yeah, and that's just not like a thing. Like, how do they start about that? Like, how do, how do they go? They just walk up to somebody and say, hey, can you <laughs> disciple me? Like, like I uh, think we could talk to two groups yeah, right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. The young believer, yeah, and this doesn't mean young in age. I mean right. just young in their faith, yep. and then the mature believer in Christ. That man can quote Bible verses left and right. Let's talk to both of them, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. Because they're supposed to be discipling, and yeah. there are so many people yep. who want to be discipled. So right, right. let's just talk. How do we get started? If you're young, yep. and a, if you're mature, you've been doing this for a while. You haven't discipled anybody. Where do you go? Yeah. Like, how do you start? No, I love that. Well, I think again, this question is incredibly, incredibly important. Um, let, let me say this. If you are someone who says, I want to be discipled, I'll repeat what I said a few moments ago. Discipleship is very relational, okay? Mm-hmm. So if you want to be discipled, then you have to be in relationship with other disciples. Yeah. And I do believe that this is a matter of you seeking out people who have been following Jesus for a lot longer than you, who have experience in what it means to follow after him and all of these areas of life that you need to grow in. And it's like you you would attach yourself to a person or a group of people and that you would follow them as they follow Christ. Yeah. And so I, I talked earlier about two components, environments and relationships. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to know everything we do as a church yes. is about discipleship. Yes. Say that again, because people Every, don't know that. No, okay? man. Every, everything we do as a church. So the Sunday gathering is about discipleship? Isn't that crazy, man? What Kids a cr- about discipleship? What a, what a crazy concept, isn't it? Like that our Sunday gatherings, our kids' environments, all of our student gatherings, our, our groups, the Crosspoint Institute, uh, the opportunity to be on a serve team. How crazy is it that all of this is about discipleship? So it's not just a ministry? <laughs> it's not just a pocket of the it's, church? It's not just something we do to do. What we're trying to do is to create environments where people can learn from Jesus to follow Jesus so that they can become like Jesus. <laughs> this is it, man. So I just want people to know, like, this is why you need to show up. Yeah. In, in a day and age where people don't take church attendance that seriously anymore, I think the statistic now is like the average person attends less than two times a month. I don't even know how that's possible, but it's crazy. And what you're doing by not putting yourself in these environments is you are missing out on opportunities to be discipled, yeah. to grow in your knowledge of God, your love for God, 
to grow in your understanding of what it means to truly follow after Christ. And so everything we do as a church is about discipleship. I love that. So I would say, if you wanna be discipled, be in the gathering, center the teaching of God's word, take some classes through the Crosspoint Institute. No matter what age you are, get in a group. Mm-hmm. Get in a group and walk with other believers of Jesus Christ. So that is key, all right? Um, but then I would also say, and this the groups thing kind of leans into this, find some people or a person that you can just attach yourself to in some way and follow them as they follow Christ. And this again, you talked about intergenerational ministry, at least you touched on it. Yeah. Like to, to a lot of the older people in our church, instead of waiting on someone to attach someone to you, it might be a matter of you seeking them out. Mm-hmm. Like for the, let me say this, for the 50 and 60 year olds, like you might need to get involved in student ministry. Yeah. You might need to talk to Carlos and go get involved with the, our, our young adult ministry. Absolutely. Uh, to all the men who are listening right now, you need to be a part of what we're getting ready to do in men's discipleship. Yeah. To train up men how to be godly men and followers of Jesus Christ. So it may mean that you seek some young people out and you go, hey, follow me as I follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, I want to teach you and I want you to learn from me. I've been doing this a while. And if you'll follow me, you'll be following him. I wanna help you become like him. And then you just train people up in the ways that they should go. So, I mean, you said it, there's only two options at the end of the day. You're either being discipled or you're discipling. Yeah. I guess option three is you're disobedient. We don't wanna do that. So build relationships, show up in the environment, seek some people out, do the work of the Great Commission. It's what we're here for. Yeah, no, I love it. And I think what I'm getting from that is you got to be intentional, both That's sides. 100%. And so if you're young in your faith, I'm just going to tell you, so many people come up to me, hey, hey, Los, like, hey, you know, disciple me, teach me everything, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, bro, let's do it. Hey, let's meet up at this coffee shop, mm-hmm. 12 o'clock, let's do it. Next thing you know, hey, I can't make it. <laughs> bro, and it, it, it's like it, mind-blowing, but what I would tell somebody, just to encourage them, if you want to be a disciple and you want to get discipled by somebody, mm-hmm. man, follow through. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You know, that's don't a good just word. stink and say, hey, I want to do it. Because everybody says, I want to do this, I want to do that. And what we have, especially in the generation before, like after me, yeah. right, or before me, I don't know how, it'll be after me, before me, <laughs> the generation younger than me. I think it's after you. <laughs> after yeah, yeah, me. yeah, yeah. Um, they say they want all this, yeah. but then they don't follow through, man. We have a lack of follow through in the church. We want to be discipled, but then we don't want the cost. We think it's going to be easy. Nah, and that happens to me all the time. Yeah, yeah. And so just to encourage that person, follow through. Yeah. Follow through. Let that person teach you how to pray. Mm-hmm. Read the Bible. That's right. I was reading this book. Um, I think it's it might be called like Disciplines. Of, it's not Disciplines of a Godly Man, but it's like Disciplines of a Christian Life. Okay. And it's by Donald Whitney. Okay, yeah. Um, so yeah. it might, I don't know the title, but this woman walks up to this pastor and his wife, so Donald Whitney and his wife, yeah. and she's crying in tears. And she's like, I know how to do everything in the church. Mm. I know how to serve in, in students and kids. I've, I've led a group before. I've done greeting, prayer team, everything, right? Yeah. But she says, the only thing that I haven't learned is how to pray or read my Bible. Mm. And so we can get caught wow. up of serving in such a way that we forget that intimacy with God is the most important thing. Yeah, that we can those do. are foundational, right? foundational things. Yeah, that's what people need to teach you. Right, right. And so, like, there's another thing you want people to fo- uh, teach you how to follow Jesus as they follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Make sure they teach you those two things. Yeah. How yeah. do you get an intimate relationship with God? Yeah. How do you pray? How do you call heaven down? It's good. How do you open up your word and read it and actually read and, it and you know? actually understand it and apply it? Yeah. Yeah. Man. So. 
So good, man. But just be intentional. And then the older person, there are so many people, and I know they're scared. It's intimidating. Yeah. But you, like, if you're older and been following Jesus for a while, and like I said, you can quote Bibles or verses left and right, just to encourage you, man, the younger generation needs you. 100%. To step up. Yeah. Like, we need you. Like, we need yeah. your your wisdom. We need to be taught how to be dads. That's right. And these young ladies need to be taught how to be moms and good parents and yep. good sisters and brothers. Like, we need that. And I know, just to encourage you, man, you you have a lot. God has taught you so much throughout the years that you can impart something to us. Mm-hmm. And so don't feel discouraged. Like, you might not talk the lingo or dress whatever, but just to encourage they you, just go out and yeah. do it, man. And, and we're going to be so grateful for it. Yep. You know, I'm here. Because somebody older decided to pour into my life. Right. Took me aside. Dude, I could be some, I mean, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have somebody older come alongside me. Yeah. You know? And so. So valuable. Well, just just to piggyback on that, I'll I'll say it too. Yeah, our church needs you. Yeah. If you are listening and, and maybe you're at an age where you think you're not usable anymore, you don't have anything to offer. Oh, but you do. Yeah, you do. And our church needs you, especially as we go on this all to him discipleship journey together. I mean, my gosh, mm-hmm. there's so many opportunities for you to be used by God in shaping the next generations. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you you uh you're never too old to be used by Jesus as part of his mission in the world. Yeah. And I think Charles Spurgeon said this and he he was preaching to his congregation and he said he believes that there's only one the only way that the mission of God will be accomplished is if every single person in God's kingdom participates. Yeah, that's right. There's no way we're going to get to do this if it's just me and you yep. or the people that work at church. Do you understand that our job is to equip you for the work of ministry? Yeah. yeah. So you are supposed to be going out, like you said it, to your neighbors and to mm-hmm. the nations. And what you do is so important. Just to tell you that, just because we have a stage and we're talking on a podcast, yeah, that's cool and everything, but you get to be the beginning of somebody's story with Jesus. Yeah, you yeah. know, like you get to start that conversation or that introduction. Yeah. And so get fired up about that. And just to tell you, man, like I said, I would not be here mm-hmm. if somebody did not do that. Yeah. And so just think, I, and just to, to vision cast for people, in five years, there are going to be people who are going to say, without you, I would have never met Jesus. Yeah, like, that's where you should be. Humbling thought, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, crazy yeah. that God will let us. That he would invite us into that and let us bear that responsibility. What an Amazing. honor. Amazing. What an honor. Amazing. And you get to be part of that. Our yep. church <laughs> gets to be part of that, you know? I think you said it when we were doing the all to him thing. About like uh, when you're talking about uh, Bartow Family Reforce- Resources, okay. that, that the, yeah, the, yep. the thing we're teaming up with right. and the conversations of people that we're going to be having with who are abortion determined. That yeah, was the term yeah. you used. That because they stepped up and they talked to them, they're going to be in our church in a year. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to be talking about, like, that's just a vision that we should have. Like, just right. because you decided to to have a conversation with somebody or go serving students or young adults and be intentional. Yep. That you could change somebody's life. That's right. And eternity. It's crazy. Yep. People in the kingdom just because of our willingness to be obedient to the mission that Christ has given us. Mm -hmm. It's crazy that God would let us be a part of that. Yeah. It's amazing. It's so cool, man. Like, it's really good. All right. So, let's... uh, we're going to land the plane. Yeah, let's land right, the plane because right. uh, we we getting there. All right, so uh, we talked about why it's important. It's important because Jesus called us to do it, man. Yeah. So, uh, But let's just give encouragement okay. to somebody who wants to get started 
who doesn't really know where to start, but just to say, hey, man, just go do this thing. Like, mm-hmm. what would he, how would you encourage somebody right now that wants to go and be a discipler or be discipled just to get off, like, that first step? What would he tell them? Yeah. You know, I think I would, I would go back. So to the person who really wants to live out the mission of Jesus, mm-hmm. where do you start? Um, I would start with the things that I gave in the sermon, just the real practical pieces of advice, yeah. okay? Uh, start praying for people. Mm. You know, just, and, and if you don't know who to pray for, ask God to give you some clarity on that. Like, I'm sure that we all know people who don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And one of the simplest ways that you can get started in living out the mission of Jesus is just to start praying for them. Yeah, that's so Just good. pray and ask that God would, would start to soften their hearts and open their ears and do a work in their lives. And that he would give you the opportunity to serve them, to love them, to share the gospel with them. We, we believe as a church that nothing of eternal significance happens apart from prayer. And so, you know, I don't give that as a flippant answer. It's not, oh, we'll just pray. No, dude, you don't understand how powerful it is for you to pray for someone else. Mm-hmm. And that God wants to use your prayers as a means of getting work done in their lives. And so this is a, a really important missional practice. So I would say if you want to get started today, start praying for some folks. Mm-hmm. And then as I think about the nations... Go. I mean, I think this is the the low hanging fruit, right? It's like, dude, get on a trip with us. Go across the world somewhere with us. Go to Africa. Go to Guatemala. Go to Bolivia. Like, sign up and and go on a trip and and go be a part of what God is doing somewhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, bro, I cannot tell you how much my life has been altered and changed by just going to different places for seven to ten days, immersing myself in a different culture being around other believers in, in countries that are nothing like ours and seeing their faithfulness and their joy and just being a part of God's work in, in places like that. And I mean, it just reminds you, dude, that God is at work everywhere, Yeah. right? That it's not, his work isn't limited to where we are. He's at work everywhere. The world is his, the nations are his. Disciples will be made of all nations. They will come to Christ. And, and it just has a way of impacting your life in ways that other things can't, you know what I'm saying? And so I would say, pray for your neighbors, go on a trip. I could say a whole lot more, but you said, start, where do you start? I would say, start there. Yeah. You so, want to add, you want to add anything to that? So pray and go. Pray and go. Yeah. Start there. I mean, that's, that's perfect. Pray because I believe when we pray for opportunities, God provides them. hundred percent. If you start saying, God provide an opportunity for me to share the gospel today, he's yep. going to show it to you. Yep. Somebody out of the blue is going to call you and just say, hey, my life is crumbling. Can mm. you help me? Can you pray for me? Mm. And you'd be like, God, I just asked, asked for this. <laughs> this is crazy, right? That's right. But when you pray for those things, man, you start to pray prayers like Jesus did. You yeah. know, like it's yeah. so crazy. That yeah. That's what he was asking. Um so I just think that that's just awesome, man. But that's a good place to stop. Yeah. So I just want to thank everybody for listening, man. And as you go, we just want you to know that we love you. We're here for you. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pursuit with James Griffin. Be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you'll never miss an episode. If you have questions about the message, the scriptures, or faith in general, you can send them to us by texting the word QUESTION to the number 22722. For more information about our church or this podcast, please visit crosspointcity.com or follow us online at Crosspoint City. If you found value in this podcast, we would love it if you took time to like it and share it with a friend. Doing that will help more people know and follow Jesus. And finally, we want to invite you to join us each week for one of our gatherings in person or live on YouTube. We hope to see you soon.